0: In the 8th century BCE, Aeneas, the great Trojan warrior, carrying his son under one arm, his household gods under the other, and his father on his back, left behind his city in ruin. He looked up to the sky, and the gods revealed to him a sign, a star westward leading would guide Aeneas to witness the birth of a new humanity, the salvation of the world. According to Rome's great poet, Virgil, Aeneas went on to become the father of Rome, which was to become an empire that dominated the Western world. The rule of Julius Caesar would initiate the Roman Empire, but great Caesar's reign was brief since he was assassinated in 44 BCE, shortly after becoming dictator. When Rome killed their king all of creation cried out. The poet Virgil wrote, The sun shall give you signs. The sun expressed mercy for Rome when Caesar was killed. He hid his shining head in gloom in the impious age, feared eternal light. When the king was killed, the sky went dark. However, Rome was not without hope. Before dying, Caesar had declared that his adopted son, Octavian, would be his heir. At the funeral games celebrating Caesar, a comet shot across the sky, to which Octavian said, Well, of course that would happen. That is the Son of God ascending to the right hand of the Father in heaven. This was the beginning of the imperial cult. Caesar was declared to be a god. And on the backs of all of the coins was a comet to remind everyone who their god was. Since Octavian was the adopted son of Caesar, and Caesar was a god, Octavian thus became the son of God. In all hero stories of the ancient world, lineage was always important. Every hero's story began with their lineage. He begat, he begat, 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 begat. This told the listener, hey, this guy is special. He comes from hero's blood. But every once in a while, you heard the lineage of a hero above the rest. It was said by the poets that Octavian was not only the son of God, but he was, in fact, born of a virgin. No regular human being born of a woman could be so great. So this son of God must have been born of a virgin. So Octavian became the new emperor of Rome and he took on a new name. He changed his name from Octavian to Augustus. One inscription about Caesar Augustus read, The Emperor, ruler of oceans and continents, the divine father among men, who bears the same name as the Heavenly Father, Liberator, the marvelous star of the Greek world, shining with the brilliance of the great heavenly Savior. His official title became Emperor Caesar Augustus, son of God. In the many in many cultures around the world, a common phrase of greeting has been to invoke the name of God. So in Rome, the common greeting was Caesar is Lord. You'd go down the street, Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Lord. You'd flip over your coins, and you would see the star of Julius, and you were reminded Caesar is Lord. Everywhere you go, the message was, Caesar is Lord. Every year on Caesar Augustus' birthday, there was a message proclaimed called the Angelion. One announcement of the Oangelion read, Because providence that has ordained life in a divine way, and since the Caesar, through his epiphany, has exceeded the hopes of all former Ungelia. Surpassing not only the benefactors who came before him, but also leaving no hope for anyone in the future would surpass him. And since for the world the birthday of the God was the beginning of his Evangelion. Evangelion is connected to the English word evangel or evangelism. Another word for Evangelion is good news or gospel so this was the good news this was the gospel of emperor caesar augustus son of god that he was the liberator and savior of the world and that he would bring peace to all the nations under caesar augustus began a political campaign known as pax romana pax romana meant peace of rome and under Caesar Augustus, they had experienced relative peace. The peace of Rome was a period of history where Rome experienced no wars, their borders expanded, and their economy thrived. The peace of Rome would become would come to the world in one common way. Caesar would send a messenger, also known as an evangelist, to enter a new land as an ambassador, an alien. There, the evangelist would announce the gospel of Caesar Augustus. Caesar is Lord, submit to him. If the people submitted, then Caesar would build aqueducts for clean water and safe sewage. They would build libraries and new roads for safe travel and trade. This was the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. But if you did not submit that Caesar is Lord... Then Caesar would bring violence and terror and the cross. Those who opposed Caesar were crucified outside the town as an example to everyone. This is what it looks like when you do not obey Caesar. The peace of Rome is peace through victory. The peace of Rome comes at the end of the sword. The peace of Rome is brought about through the cross. Once a community has submitted that Caesar is Lord, then the community would become a part of the kingdom of Caesar, the Roman Empire. The community would then be called an ecclesia. Another word for ecclesia is church. One way that Caesar Augustus maintained peace of Rome in his churches was through religion. The number one religion in Rome was the imperial cult. Since Julius Caesar was a god and Caesar Augustus was the son of God, it was required that everyone in the churches make sacrifices to the Caesars in the temple. It would not need to be anything large like a goat. But it would be more than just paying your taxes. It would typically be something like making an incense offering. This religious ritual was practiced to remind everyone who their Lord is. This caused many problems for some people at the time. In general, the Roman Empire was a very inclusive and pluralistic place. You could believe whatever you wanted, worship whatever gods you wanted, so long as you declared that Caesar is Lord. The Jewish people had a problem with this. Caesar did not mind that they worship their own God, but it was not acceptable that they refused to participate and declare him as their Lord. Eventually, Judaism became recognized as an official religion, but in general, if you did not submit to caesar's lord in your religious practice then you could be faced with the cross because the peace of rome comes through violence the peace of rome is through victory the peace of rome is peace through the cross so Caesar would send out his evangelist, declaring the gospel that Caesar is Lord and establishing churches all throughout the Roman Empire. Some of this might sound familiar. One first century writer told this, sor- this story to his predominantly Jewish community. It's around the year 4 CE. He says, in those days... Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled, enrolled in the tax lists. So, the listener of this story immediately knows the context. This is during the so-called Pax Romana under Caesar Augustus. Later, the writer continues, Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. So we have shepherds in a field. These are likely to be understood by the listener to be poor Jewish, hardworking, disenfranchised, outcasts to society. The Lord's messenger, evangelist, right? Stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them and they were terrified. Now, here's where the story gets interesting. The listeners are familiar with this story. We all know about the Lord sending his evangelist to declare his gospel but it hasn't been good news for us. The writer goes on. The angel said, do not be afraid. Look, I bring good news, gospel, euangelion to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your savior is born today in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Now, but this is sounding like a different story, a different kind of gospel. The Lord, the emperor, should not be, should not be born in a Jewish province laid in a feeding trough and wrapped in rags, he goes on. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly hosts, this is the same language that's used for the Roman military, was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors the writer of the Gospel of Luke, has hijacked and subversively used the political language of the Roman Empire to declare Caesar is not Lord. The first Christian gospel written was the Gospel of Mark, and it opens with the explosive statement, the beginning of the good news, the gospel, the euangelion, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ son of God. These writers writing to a Jewish audience using Roman political language scream out to the world, there is a new Lord in town. Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not. And this is good news. Jesus was a man who came and was willing to stand up against empire. He came and refused to play by the rules set by the political and religious establishment. And for that, they crucified him. In the latest and most theologically developed gospel, John, Jesus stands on trial before a Roman governor who asks, what have you done? What is your crime? To which John tells us, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. So, Jesus answered to the governor's question of what is your crime? I don't believe peace comes through violence. Jesus says, if I was a part of your empire, we would use violence and terror in order to attain peace. We would use the cross in order to achieve justice. But my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus stood in the face of empire and said, peace does not come through victory. And for that, they crucified him. The earliest gospel writer says when Jesus hung, nailed to the imperial instrument of torture, darkness came over the whole land, so the sun stopped shining. Now, the Roman centurion's standing guard that day was familiar with this story. He had heard it from the poets over and over again. When Caesar, the one who was to save the world, was murdered by his enemies, then the sky went dark. The gospel writer says, Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed out his last, he said, Truly, this man was the son of God. The Romans told the story that from birth to death, the empire owns your life. The gospel writers give us a picture Of the life of Jesus from birth to death that is an incarnational challenge to the power of Rome. For Jesus challenged to Rome, to the Empire, Rome did everything they could to maintain their peace of Rome and the peace of Rome always ended in the cross. But the cross would not end Jesus. The cross could not hold him down. When Jesus, three days later, rose up from the grave, it was a declaration to the world that all authority does not lie with Rome, that the empire is not the only way, and that Caesar is not Lord. So the followers of Jesus, they continued on declaring this good news to the world, that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. They went throughout the empire, sending their evangelists and establishing churches, or ecclesias. These churches became the birthplace of a new kind of humanity, a humanity that did not need to live according to the ways of the Roman Empire, the way of peace through victory. In Rome and throughout the Western world, the story that we have been told is is that those who are good enough, smart enough, and work hard enough deserve all the fruit of their labors. And that if you do not have food on your table to feed your family, then you just need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and work harder because peace comes through victory. But the followers of the way of Jesus defied this tenet. They defied this way of life. One account of the early church says, Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one Claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. There was not one needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. That is mind blowing and completely foreign to both the Roman Empire and our American capitalist system today. That sort of thinking completely flies in the face of everything our culture tells us. But they lived this way because their Lord was Jesus. And their Lord said, My kingdom is not from this world. Now, living subversively within the world of Caesar, but not of the world of Caesar, does not mean being rebellious and flippantly defiant. To live subversively is to know when to pick your battles. To be subversive is to know when to say, sure, I'll follow your silly rules and your irrelevant laws here, but this is where I draw the line, because Jesus is my Lord. For example, paying taxes. Jesus was asked if we are to live our lives declaring that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not, should we refuse to pay our taxes? To which Jesus said, "Um, the money has Caesar's face on it, so give it to Caesar. In other words, the kingdom of God is not about money. And you're not being immoral by being detached from money. So sure, pay taxes. But Caesar, of course, demanded more than taxes. Remember, one of the ways Rome maintained their Pax Romana was through the cult of Caesar. On top of paying taxes, Romans were asked to regularly make religious spiritual sacrifices as an act of worship to Caesar, to which the early Christians said, nope, can't do that. There's only one Lord, Jesus Lord, Caesar is not. Now, this was not an act that only had an impact on Christians' personal spiritual piety, When you went to the temple to make your sacrifice to Caesar, probably just a small incense offering, they would put a stamp on your hand. Christians began calling this stamp on your hand the Mark of the Beast. After you make your sacrifice, then you head over to the marketplace to buy food for your family. Now, when entering the marketplace, they would check your hand. If it was stamped, they would let you in. If it was not, you were turned away, meaning that day you didn't eat. If you refused to sacrifice to Caesar, if you refused to worship him, if you refused the mark of the beast, then you could not buy and sell in the market, and you could not feed your family, and you would starve. Because sometimes you have to draw the line and say, I live in this world, but I'm not of this world. Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Some places in society, it became almost impossible to avoid worshipping Caesar. In the military, for example, communal participation in worshipping Caesar was a mandatory daily practice. For this reason, a Christian could not be a soldier in the military, because Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. The early Christians had little problem accepting the prohibition against military service because they knew where their allegiance lied, with Jesus, not Caesar, with the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Rome. But it wasn't just worshipping Caesar spiritually that the early Christians wanted to avoid, In the first 300 years of the church, killing was wrong. Always. One early Christian said, the soul cannot be beholden to two masters, God and Caesar. And that the Lord, by taking away Peter's sword, referring to the Garden of Gethsemane, disarmed every man thereafter. Another early Christian said, A just man may not be a soldier. His reason? Simply. Killing is always wrong. Christians have to make choices. They have to choose to follow Jesus or follow someone else as their Lord. No matter what the world is saying, no matter what society thinks is just or unjust, the Christian must always declare that Jesus is Lord and Christians have suffered for it. One early follower of Jesus named Maximilian was taken to court for his refusal to serve in the military. He said, I will not serve. Cut off my head. I do not serve the world. I serve my God. Then it said, as the soldiers tried to force Maximilian to wear Caesar's seal around his neck. He shouted, I do not accept the world's seal. And if you give it to me, I will break it since I value it not. I am a Christian. I cannot serve in the military. My service is for my Lord. I cannot serve the world. I am a Christian. For that, Maximilian was beheaded. New Testament scholar John Dominic Crossan poses the challenge like this. We are willing to call Jesus our Lord spiritually, but are we willing to call Jesus our Lord politically? Since their inception, the early Quakers have been willing to take up that challenge and live their lives declaring that Jesus is Lord. In their tireless fight for justice, many Quakers have refused to give up on their principled belief in the Quaker peace testimony. Like the early Christians, Quakers have refused to take up arms and murder in the name of the country they are citizens of, because their true citizenship is in the kingdom of God. When the U.S. Supreme Court debated the validity of conscientious objection to war, Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes said, Quakers should not be punished just because they believed more than some of us do in the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount. Thankfully, he had a little more mercy the Roman courts did. The Quakers believed so strongly in the peace testimony that it, like the early Christians, affected the way they participated in the markets. As you probably know, Quakers and Christians of many denominations were adamantly opposed to the transatlantic slave trade. And many were active abolitionists, actively defying and breaking the laws of the land. These abolitionists would sneak people through the Underground Railroad and used the established political system to fight to destroy slavery because they were in the world, but not of the world. Some systems are so corrupt, so antithetical to the kingdom of God, that they not only require that we cease our participation... But it is our duty to actively work to see the dismantling of them. Many Quakers felt so strongly opposed to slavery that they insisted upon not participating in it whatsoever. This meant when you go to the marketplace and you need a new pair of pants and you see the ones you want, then you ask, are these pants made from cotton? And the seller says, yes. And then you ask, and was the cotton picked by slaves? And they say, yes. Then, as a Quaker, you have a moral obligation to not buy those pants. Because no matter how you might feel about slavery, no matter how many slaves you might own or not own, if you pay money for those pants, you are funding and actively participating in and supporting in the, the enslavement of other human beings. And some things are antithetical to the kingdom of God. Some things declare Jesus is not Lord. The Quaker belief in living for the kingdom of God permeated every facet of life. They would not take their hats off for anyone but God. They would not bow down to anyone but God. They would not address anyone with titles of respect that they felt were due only to God. Now, We live in a different world with different cultural norms from the early Quakers, and removing our hats does not hold the same sort of weight that it did in the 18th century. But we today need to be just as intentional about every action we take and ask ourselves, am I, and how I am living my life in everything that I do, declaring that Jesus is Lord, What are the narratives that we live by? What is the story of your life? Is the story of your life one that declares that Jesus is Lord? Or does your story say something different? Does your story declare Caesar is Lord? Or yourself? Or money? Or intelligence? Or America? Is your peace a peace that passes all understanding? the peace of Christ, or is your peace a peace that comes only through victory, a peace through dominance, a peace through winning? Take time to evaluate your life, both personally and corporally as a church. Begin to ask yourself, in all that I do, in all that we do, am I, are we, declaring that Jesus is Lord? Here's a quick example. Every Easter, we put up decorations of little chicks and rabbits. We hide eggs, do egg hunts. Now, historically, these symbols of rabbits and chickens and eggs are not rooted in the Christian story of Jesus rising from the dead, but are rooted in pagan traditions celebrating the spring equinox. Is it immoral to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus with these pagan symbols? If you ask me, I'd say no, it's not a big deal. I know where our hearts and our intentions are, but you might say otherwise. Now, let's look a little bit closer. Inside that pastel plastic egg that we give to our children is a little piece of chocolate. That chocolate is made from cocoa. That cocoa comes from the cocoa bean which was harvested in Ivory Coast, Africa by a child slave who was ripped away from his parents, bound in chains, and forced to pick cocoa beans so that our kids can have something sweet to eat on Easter. Sometimes when these children refuse to work or simply don't work as hard as people want them to, they're met with a machete. We have to ask ourselves, are we declaring that Jesus is Lord on Easter morning when we knowingly pay to support child slavery just to satiate our desires for something sweet? Is Jesus Lord? Or is our Lord our stomachs. We say that Jesus is our Lord spiritually, but is Jesus our Lord politically, intellectually, economically? The kingdom of God and the peace of Christ is not a peace through victory, and we are not to find our value in how good and righteous we are. We are not to judge one another according to how ethically we choose to be at the supermarket. Our value comes in knowing that Jesus has fought against empires and that they could not hold him down. Our value comes in knowing that despite what the world says or even how we feel sometimes that Jesus is Lord Caesar demands our sacrifices and offerings, or he'll put us on the cross. Capitalism demands our 50-hour work weeks, college debt, consumption of sweatshop clothing. But Jesus gives us the freedom from that, a freedom to not have to live that way. The peace of Christ gives us the freedom to live for something greater, The peace of Christ gives us the freedom to not worry about what we will eat or drink or what we will wear. Instead, we are free to ask ourselves, what will others eat or drink? What will others wear? The peace of Christ gives us the freedom to forsake all other gods and declare that Jesus is Lord.